doing this? Sup? What's going on? This is uh, podcast take one. Number one Number take one. one. 1.1. 0.0001. Yeah, this is something that we've talked about for a long time. This is something we've had for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Just sitting here. And tweaking and and talking about doing it and then not doing it. and uh, But I think that's the way that good ideas get started. Yeah. Um, kind of since the beginning of, I think, the pandemic, um, we built this room for zoom calls originally yeah and then we kind of went and came up with the idea of making the podcast we you know there's a lot of podcasts being done throughout the pandemic and we're just kind of gonna go uh put this room together and then now we finally did it so hey everybody what's going on you know you know what i like about you um i like a lot of things about you joe but oh we're gonna get know, right one, into that eh? one, <laughs> one thing that i really like about you and i and i say this to um to my wife all the time um, just because you know the journey that I've, I've had through this team um, ha- has been a, a pretty fun one so far but one of the things that I notice about you is when you come up with an idea and this is something that separates you from a lot of people is you come up with an idea and immediately the wheels in your brain start turning and then you start taking the steps that you need to take to, to make that thing happen. Mm-hmm. And that separates you from a huge group of people because the procrastinators. Yeah, well, not just procrastinators, but like in my life, I I have had a lot of great ideas that have never gone anywhere and have never come to fruition. And and it's not from you know lack of motivation. Um, it's more from lack of trying. It's lack of. Um, you know the 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 will to to push it through and to and to know that you might fail nine times out of ten, but that's the separation I think that you have over a lot of people and why you've been really successful in in not just real estate but a lot of the things that you've done in your life. And I'm not trying to turn this into like mm-hmm. no, a, I no, I appreciate a, it. A pump, no, but but there pump is your tires sort of thing. But yeah, there is something important there. Like I think. I think there's just a lot of people that are either afraid to succeed or afraid to fail and they're just afraid to do things and it's not that they can't do it it's not mm-hmm. that they're even procrastinators some people are super driven they just don't go and take those steps because they're afraid of the unknown so i don't even think it's succeeding or failing it's just that fear of true the unknown. i think it's both i know for me um a lot of my life is is driven by a fear of failure and as i've gotten older i feel like it's even gotten more pronounced so so getting over that hump a lot of the time is tough for me because yeah you know, I, I feel like if i'm not going to do it perfectly mm-hmm. right out of the gate mm-hmm. that i'm like well i don't even want to do it then mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that's a detrimental thing to have yeah. in you but i'm not saying that i'm it's like a, that in everything in my life but it's a pro and a con for sure i would say a pro when it comes to business a con when it comes to personal life like go tell my wife that anytime i have an, <laughs> i have an idea be like surprise honey i got a boat <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i had this idea and i went and bought a boat <laughs> but you've been like yeah you're right when we talked about your basketball court we yeah. always use that as a joke we we uh joe put a half court in his backyard and it was because he, we were talking about it one day and you're like wow your, ba- your backyard would be big enough for like a basketball court and then two days later <laughs> It's literally what happened. I know. I know it is, which is hilarious. But that kind of translates to me over to stuff like this Mm -hmm. because you have, you know, you came up with an idea to do this, um, you know, years ago. And we 
talked and we tweaked and we kind of you know pushed it off because there's a lot of other things that get in the way of of starting a huge project like this and um and and, and don't you know misunderstand this is a huge project to set up i mean look at this room think of the idea of doing one of these every week um that's a huge project right um and it, we did get the equipment pretty quickly after the idea it's executing it and, and actually sitting down yeah. and, and doing it and coming up with the idea of what it's going to be like what are we sitting here doing why are we know. doing this know you know no. are people are people <laughs> going to be interested in listening to us talk because i i like the fact that this isn't going to just be a real estate podcast it's going to be lifestyle yes exactly it's going to be something that hopefully people will work-life balance mm -hmm. um it's something that will hopefully be um, somewhat entertaining to listen to but also get into i think business life yep family whatever it may be um it's gonna be fun i don't I, even know yeah. how often we're gonna do these yeah like, who knows i said I, I said like once a week but that could be really overly ambitious right now and in, in this kind of a job you never know where we're gonna be and when we're gonna yeah. be there half i think the once a week's a good goal and I think, I think that's so. going to be, uh, and I think we'll enjoy it. And I think it'll be something that we can, we can easily do. And we'll bring in, you know, we'll bring in guests, um, to talk about things that are relevant to our field, but also to just sit down and, and chat about life with them as well. Because one thing that I love about this job in real estate is, you know, it's not just going and, and trying to sell something to somebody and, you know, being a pitch man all the time, it's learning about these clients and their lives and what makes them tick and what makes them happy and what drives them and that's the way that I've been my whole life mm -hmm. and that's what has probably led me to a career in this is actually giving a shit about what somebody you know loves yeah like I don't think you know, people you know they meet the inspector or the mortgage rep or even our clients, I, I know clients that would love to be on this and just to shoot the shit that just have the same mindset. Yeah, I think that would be a really cool thing too. towards investing and they can, it, it can just be a hangout and, and talk about their experiences yeah. and the way they've gone and invested. And we have some very successful investors. I think that'd be awesome to come on here. And yeah. they, I don't think they would even have thought that would be something they would, they would do as far as work with us. Um, cause to us, it's just a client relationship, but to me, it's more than that. I would like to bring them in and actually mm -hmm. be part of what we're about. And I think that's why the name your realtors for life real estate podcast is is a really cool way to go because it's not just working with those tradespeople, but to work with um our clients as well and bring them on and all hang out and just talk about life and in, in, in general but um you had mentioned the background of of people and getting to know them better and what are your um what are your thoughts on the real estate business since you've been in like you, uh, you, you, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people don't know a lot about um, your background. Some people do, but I mean, you were touring with a band and <laughs> and doing gigs and music, yeah. and and you were quite successful with it. And then you pivoted um, and made a shift to real estate. Yeah, it it seems like there's a disconnect maybe there to some people, but I think when I look back over all the things that I've done since I basically started working in my life which was at like 16 years old um it's all had one really common um thread and that's been working with people or connecting with people in some some way and you know i got into music at a really early age so that in itself um 
opened me up a lot, mm-hmm. I think, because music, like you're putting yourself out there completely, like you're putting yourself, like you're laying yourself bare to, 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 for everyone to see. And that's not something a lot of people can do. Right. Yeah. Um, so when you, yeah, when you are on stage and you're in front of people like that and, and, and you do it at a young age, um, I think it, it, that really changed me and it pushed me towards, um, where I am today. And, you know, I, I was in touring groups from the time I was like 18 years old all the way through to my thirties. Do you miss it? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. I think about it all the time. It, it's a different life though. You know, it's a different lifestyle living out of a suitcase half the time. I mean, I, I toured with an acapella group, um, from 18 to 21, mm-hmm. um, four guys and no instruments. And we did two shows a day, uh, every day, except like one day of the week. So that's like 10 to 12 shows a week, every week for years. Right. So like, I, I think I counted once I, I had done like, I had done like somewhere between 14 and 1500 shows with this, with this group, which it'd, it'd be hard to sustain a, a healthy relationship and, and future family. Yeah. And that lifestyle. And that sure. the funny thing about me is that I would, I, like I've always been a relationship guy. So I would always like, I would always hold on to a relationship and try my heart. It's through mm-hmm. doing these things. And, and, and when you're away from home that much, like it, 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 it is taxing. And that's something that my, you know, my now wife and I talked about a lot when later on I was with a, a band called the modern hearts in Toronto. Um, and it was like, YouTube what? It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can go, go YouTube. Um, you know, we had a lot of fun doing that, but like, as we got more serious and as we got more attention, um, the conversations came up like, okay, what does this look like? You know, for our lives going forward, what does this look like for family? What does this look like for, you know, just getting married and buying a home and where we're going to end up? Because the more, you know, busy you get in that job, the more you're away from home. Mm. Right. So that was a really, I think for all of us in the band, and that's as you get to your thirties or your late twenties and your thirties, if you haven't done it by then, you start to naturally shift your priorities in your mind. Right. So for me, it was like, oh, but I want to get married and I want to have kids and I want to have a family and I want that stability. And but other then, other band members felt the same. Yeah, thing, yeah, they did. Right. And, you know, our singer Gary had had his first daughter. I met, um, I met Gary. Good guy. Oh, really good guy. Yeah. yeah. And... Terrible hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> was really good at NHL uh, like on, on PlayStation. No, he's a good hockey player. No, he's a good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it I know we're kind of um, getting off topic, maybe a little bit, but it, it was a really um, strange progression of the way that I got here. But when I look back and I think about it, um, it makes sense of why I ended up in an industry like this because I, I couldn't see myself sitting in a cubicle all day running numbers and you know I went to school for for business I took accounting classes I had accounting professors telling me I should be an accountant and I just knew that that was never something I was ever 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 going to do and and you know and no offense to people who do do that it's just not at your, all. It's my just, brother's an accountant right it's just your your lifestyle your personality sure. and, and the way you, you know you went from being in a band free as you know out on stages Absolutely. traveling and then, you know, to be locked up in an office is just not your style. 
No, um, and and that's not to say there aren't you know office days and office tasks and things you need to do in this business, but there's a there is also a, sort of a parallel um, to the to you know being a musician in the freedom that you have in this job mm -hmm. as well because. You're always moving. You're always moving. You're always doing something different. You're always meeting new people. Improvising. Yeah. Improvising. Yeah. Improvising. <laughs> Joe's having a stroke right now. So it's okay. <laughs> Improvising. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it is really, um, you know, a tough job to get into when you get into it because you're trying to navigate something without having mm -hmm. real guidance. Mm -hmm. um, and that was something really hard for me to wrap my mind around because I'd never been in that situation before where it was like, you, you know, you, for people that don't know, when you get into real estate, like you take some courses online and you'd read some books and you take some, you know, some multiple choice tests, but none of that really prepares you for what you're getting yourself into. And then, and then when you go to get a job, you're not even really being interviewed for a job, you're interviewing brokerages to see where you want to work. Which people don't realize. Which people don't no. even think about, no. right? And then you pick where you want to work based on what that brokerage mm -hmm. may give you um, in terms of what's important to you, like whether it's training or whether it's, a, you, know, you know, more money in your pocket or, you know, any number of things. But then no matter what, you're not really given all of the tools that you need to succeed in this in this job you need to pull from all the other um, facets that you've got in your life mm -hmm. and hope that those things that you have make you an approachable you person. know hard-working yep. person in this job because no one prepares you for that people show up in this business and they they wear like these sharp suits and they 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 go and get their their fancy advertising and things and and then they they get to the reality of what this business is and it's not it's not as easy as what people think this is is a very very difficult business and people come in with the mindset of money 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 and it is actually not that easy to make money in this business and no. the, i honestly think the most rewarding part of this business is making those phone calls to those clients when they won or presenting those offers to those clients when they sold it and you know we i know we've always gone with this your realtors for life but i'm glad that's the slogan we went by because it feels so good having like this family of clients that yeah. we, we lean on and to me that's one thing i didn't predict i got into this business thinking oh yeah hot shot real estate money and then you realize the best part of it is the other half you know the money may follow because you do a good job but this this business is actually a very very difficult business to survive in financially if you yeah. if you don't know how to take care of your clients properly and i find it a really rewarding business and going back to what you're saying to run around town and have this like kind of this organized chaos of the business you know with these multiple offers showing houses listing houses meeting clients um following up with it, it, there's just so many aspects to this business and then in the end when you have that reward of being able to call your client you don't even remember the you're getting paid to do this this is right. it's just you're like oh my god it's like when you go and do a, a show and you know you're in a show and there's a packed house of people and they're all having a good time or you're at a bar doing a gig and everybody's singing along and having a good time you're not thinking about the the few hundred bucks you're making no, doing the right. gig you're you're having a blast and just can't wait to do the next one because of the adrenaline rush it gives you and yeah. it's almost a drug on its own it's yeah awesome. and you're right that's the there is a parallel right there of, yeah. of you know why 
I ended up where I did. And, uh, you know, to, to not to, you know, toot the team's horn, but, you know, I, I, I feel like if I hadn't ended up on this team that I, that I likely wouldn't have stayed in this business because it's a lonely business on your own and you don't see the potential of what this business actually has to offer right when you're alone you don't see the other side of certain things you don't see the positives and things i wouldn't personally go back to a solo business i would be on a team myself not even as a team lead just be on a team before i would go back to the solo because this is what makes this business fun and organized to be able to do things like this if you're a solo agent you can't sit there and i mean you might be able to if you are if you are the go-getter that wants to work 20 hours a day, <clears throat> there's a lot of things that you could and can do on your own in this business. And don't get me wrong, there are solo agents out there that are absolutely slaying it and that's what works for them and that's awesome. And um, you know, you can't say that they're doing, you know, the wrong thing because they're they're extremely successful and they're they're doing what works. Um, but for a lot of people, and I know for you and I, um, b- being a, mem- a member of something is important um, to us, right? Like we need this camaraderie and we play off each other and um, it-, it makes thinking about work and coming to work fun. And it also gives a level of service to these clients that we have that I think a lot of other people don't or can't give on their own. Because how can you do all the things that we do as a, as a solo agent? How can you, you know, what I think we counted once and like throughout the, the year, we had like something like 25 touch points with each client throughout the year in one way or another, whether or, we're or doing more a, or, or more, more. Yeah. right? Like whether we're doing a client party or we're, you know, we're giving wine at Christmas or we're giving a, a spring gift or a fall gift, we're giving, um, you know, Baby, market, baby market gifts, engagement gifts, engagements, yeah. birthdays, holidays, everything. Um, think about doing all of that stuff on your own as a solo agent and then trying to put a podcast together for, mm-hmm. for people to it's listen to. It's even hard when you have a team. <laughs> yeah. Right. It yeah. still is. It's still hard. And yeah. and it and it's still a constant state of refining and 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 tweaking things and, and um moving forward that way. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've often said to my wife, like, I don't know how I would have stayed in this business on my own because um you know, the mentorship that I had from you Mm -hmm. was the most important thing to me at that point in my career. I had only been in the business for like eight months or something at that point, maybe not even. And then having you, you know, notice me running around the office and trying to stay busy and and, and helping. um, Common interests. Yeah, common interests and everything like that led me to, you know, having those conversations with you. And then the hardest part about that was this was at a time like a few years ago um, when teams were still not huge, huge in Windsor yet. They were just right? starting off. They were just starting. Yeah. And I had just an absolute, you know, crew of people in my life or people in the business cautioning me against becoming a member of a team and saying, this isn't the way you want to go. This isn't what you want to do. Like, Think before you do this. You know, you, it's also you're making because the wrong decision. They've been told that since they've started. Right. But you have to remember who's telling them that. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The and ones that are telling them that are the ones that it's not in their best interest. That's right. Right. So that's right. Yeah. And yeah. and like I said, everybody's different. And if it's coming from somebody who's had a really successful career in the business on their own, all the power to them. Mm-hmm. 
but it, it just made it really difficult for right. me because I didn't know which way was up yet. Right. And, um, but then I, you know, I took my family's advice more to heart than anything. And they were like, look, this is probably going to be the best thing for you because you're going to get some mentorship. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to have some support, um, as you grow in this business. And it's the best decision I made ever made. It's the I, best decision I ever made for my career. I, I can, and I appreciate that. And I, and I, and I, I can genuinely say I think it was a good decision for everybody on the team, including myself, and even our assistants to everybody who's joined. I see a huge benefit, um, but I've also built the structure in a way that's a lot more giving than other team structures. Um, and I, I really think, you know, treating others like you would want to be treated, or yeah. you know, compensating people fairly. Yeah, and we don't need to get too too. No, much no, into no, the no, no. But that, compensating but... people fairly is is I believe the way to go. And I think, I think it's just um, something that's allowed us to keep our culture. Yeah. And allowed us to keep the morale yeah. on this team and be able to do things that are fun like this, um, and keep it less a less stressful environment. You, you want to draw a comparison of that to to the music world. Um, and this is something that every band goes through when they're coming up in the industry. Typically, you're going to have songs that are written by one person or maybe two people in the band. But where where the disconnect starts to come is when when you start to get busier and you start to be you know, making more money and getting more attention. Um, there is a big divide that happens in a band when somebody gets all the writing credits and somebody doesn't get mm. any of the writing credits and if it stays that way bands break up and there's a million examples of it there's a million examples of it um and and the one that i that i think about the most frequently is because i i grew up listening to the eagles and i love the eagles mm -hmm. um and like don henley and and glenn fry were the two basically main songwriters of that whole group and it just caused an absolute shitstorm of bad feelings and hurt feelings and you know it, just, it really it tore a lot of the members of the band apart because they weren't willing to to even let anybody else in the in the group have anything have any of that writing credit have anything even though when you're a band even if you're not writing the tunes yourself you mm -hmm. are um you're a part of the music creation right so you when you get together as a group it's not like a the guy who wrote the song comes and says here, I wrote every instrument, and this is exactly how you're going to play it, everybody. Here's your sheet music. That's not how it works, right? They come with an idea. They come with some lyrics. They come with some chords. And then the song forms around what the band does. So how can you say none of these people have writing credits and you're not going to get compensated for what you're doing here? Right. Right? So that's just a, a parallel that I yeah. draw in this industry. Steve, because... go sell a home, and I'm going to put my sold sign on the lawn. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I and I'm gonna give you ten percent of of that. Good luck. Right. Yeah. And then it, you're doing great. Right. <laughs> Guess what's gonna happen? That person's gonna gonna be there until until for the least amount of time possible, mm -hmm. until they feel like they can do it on their own, and then they're gone. Mm -hmm. And then you're in a constant state of flux. And when bands do that, when they're in a constant state of flux, they don't succeed because no. you're constantly changing members. You're const you don't have a culture anymore. You can never focus on what's important because right. you're always focusing on restructuring yeah. and rebuilding. And yeah, no, I get it. And it's it, it it's there's a lot of commonalities between the two. And I didn't even I never even thought about that. But I mean, I, I think there's a lot of commonalities between that and and a lot of things in life. Mm -hmm. 
And I think finding people that share the same values as you and and living your life that way is what's going to continue to keep you happy and keep you motivated and keep you, um, you know, focused on not just work and being successful, but like being successful in life, like having a good work life balance Mm -hmm. and making sure that you're not pouring everything into into just constantly working and driving that Mm -hmm. way and then neglecting the other parts of your life yeah and surrounding yourself with the right people and making sure that you create a culture that's conducive to that sort of thing is important it's not for everybody no i mean no i don't even know if it's for me no (laughs) it's there the definitely the downsides are the constant state of being on and never being able to shut your brain off but i think that also comes with my personality and nature and i think it comes with yours i mean anybody who's you know a creative mind you normally you're the type of person who's not gonna be able to turn your mind off you're probably always got thoughts going through your head Mm -hmm. things are going and this definitely caters to the business of real estate because you're constantly on the go and and catering to things but i would say that's probably the biggest curse of this of this Mm -hmm. of this career is the fact that you really can't fully turn off the team does allow that to some aspects i would i would think but um or i know but I would say that's that would be my biggest downfall to this career mm-hmm. is is that what would you uh, what would you say about the same? Yeah, well, if you think about it this way, like when you have a client, say you have a just a a bunch of active clients at once, <laughs> it doesn't matter to that one client mm-hmm. because to that one client, you're their connection to the market, right? Right, you're their connection to making that next big step in their life. So, so to them, you have to be that focused entity on them and now multiply that by like 10 or 20 at it's once. It's a lot of pressure. Right? So exactly. You're always on. You're always, always on. You have to answer your phone. Mm-hmm. You have to answer those text messages. You have to, you know, make those hard phone calls and things um, to fix problems because a lot of the time when your phone rings, it's because there's an issue that needs to be solved. So for us problem solvers, that's, you know... Part of that's kind of kind of but the when, allure when you, of the job. Even when you f- solve the problem and you shut the phone off, your mind keeps going. Right. Because you're wondering, is there another option? Did I do the sure. right thing? And then you keep going. Yeah. Sure. And there's a whole lot of things we could get into with that, with how our personalities work <laughs> and everything. I know you're very similar to me in the sense that, you know, <clears throat> anxiety is a can be an issue in your life and my life. And, well, and You're also a people pleaser. So right. it's not like you don't care when these clients need your help not only are you trying to cater to other clients, but you actually really truly care about solving right. that problem, right. which fuels your fire in, in, even more. Yeah, it's not just Because that. you're not like, oh, I'll solve it when I get time. Like, you really do care. And I see it. I, I mean, a lot of people don't see what happens behind the scenes, but I can say everybody on this team literally comes here and I don't see them complaining about their clients. And that's one of the reasons, you know, I like are having our own office is mm-hmm. to be able to eliminate ourselves from a lot of the noise from other teams but when we walk in a lot of a lot of the conversation isn't complaints it's more of what would you do what can you do or steve what would be your opinion krista what's your opinion on this because we're all trying to solve you know a problem and we're trying to get help from each other and i think we're a team of people pleasers in a way which is probably a curse we probably need some hard ass on our team to come in and just be like eh 
<laughs> you know what? It'll solve itself. <laughs> if I just ignore it, it'll go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, a... you can't have that mentality in this job. You, well, you can. Well, there's you some can. out there. <laughs> yeah, you, you can, but it, yeah. it doesn't get you very far. And um, I, I think I think at least that I, I hope at least that that shines through. I think it does. with us um, in this industry and with with yeah. clients that want to work with us because we we really really genuinely do care. I think the podcast is a good avenue to be able to show that sure um and not even just in real estate just having conversations so people can really truly understand us and who we are and you know we'll have other other agents on our team come on and i think it will really give some transparency to like who we are and what we're what we're about and our personalities because yeah. we didn't we didn't really structure this first one this is kind of our our inaugural you know let's get it out all, all out on the table and and you know hopefully get some people interested in listening to what we have to say uh, other than just our wives and <laughs> you know but um but 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 i think going forward we're going to have a little bit more um just a little bit of structure to what we're talking about and and have it maybe a theme for the day that we can riff on and um and and that'll come along with the guests that we bring on the show <clears throat> and again we're still going to just have yeah riff sessions like this where we can talk and and be candid with each other because sometimes we don't even get with our busy lives sometimes we don't even get to sit down and talk to each other right. like this it's kind of nice to just sit and well the, like, the, the nice thing out, about technology you know, is if somebody wants to sit down and watch an hour hour and a half two hours of us talking awesome whatever right but there are going to be topics along the way that we can slice these into micro right. micro videos so in today's video, I'm sure there's going to be four or five videos that come out of this. And, you know, when you start talking about you and your in your music or mm -hmm. whether it's us talking about real estate down the road, the nice thing about just riffing and going with it is we can just slice it up and throw what actually mattered out there. And if somebody wants to watch the in-between filler, right. then go ahead. I mean, yeah. but uh, I think I think this is going to be cool. I think it's going to be really cool. I, I do think we should probably talk a bit about real estate. <laughs> um, although we have we've got we've got the word realtor in yeah, yeah. in the in the name of the podcast so yeah no we yeah, should be yeah. joe conlon but <laughs> yes it should um yeah we and we will we'll, we'll definitely be you know touching on more because this market, detailed topics i think a lot of people are really curious about how this market is i know people think it's slowing i know there's people talking about is it going to get crazier? Is the market going to crash? Is the pandemic over? Is that going to cause things to be affected? Is Windsor still a hot commodity? There, there's so many questions coming in. And I know we have lots of weeks of discussions that are about to yeah. come in regards to that. But um, it has been interesting. Like <laughs> I would say in the last 60, 70 years of real estate, you definitely picked a, a good, weird, yeah. funky time to join. That's funny because that's what, that's what everyone's been saying since i since i got into this business is oh man what a crazy time for you to get in and then it seems like every year gets a little bit crazier and more, well and then nobody can predict a, mm -hmm. a worldwide pandemic happening you can't you can't plan for that you can't you you don't you can't predict how the world's going to react to that and i think what happened in this market um it was really really reflective of what was happening in the world in the opposite way mm -hmm. of what people thought was going to happen because i think people thought once some big worldwide economic you know halt mm -hmm. happened which it did during the pandemic the economy kind of halted because lockdowns happened and things shut their doors i think people were like some people at least were like finally 
you know, this may cool the market. Like mm -hmm. this may end what's been going on, at least in Windsor, mm -hmm. for the past five years. And we're just pouring six years. gasoline on. But, right? <laughs> and that was the opposite of what happened. And that's not anybody's fault. And I think that's what people need to understand is there, nobody caused what's happening. In, like This is all a, a result of economic forces and things that people just didn't see coming. And locked with the lockdowns and with people being out of work and... Um, then the government, you know, paying people money like the CERB and the CRB and all that stuff. And people just aren't spending money. Like people they just used aren't to. spending money. They like don't they have used to go to. buy lunches, right. dinners, but then, but then also holidays, trips. People didn't have to be at work anymore. They could work from home, and then home became this this place where okay, well, if I'm here all day, every day, mm -hmm. I want a really comfortable space. And so that opened up this huge Pandora's box in the market that nobody saw coming where mm -hmm. all of a sudden people now are like moving from from more frequently from the big centers like Toronto and the GTA and saying, where can I go that I can, you know, pay less money and live a better life because I'm working from home now. I don't I'm not stuck to working down in the financial district in um, in Toronto or, or, you know, working as you know, in an office building somewhere in the GTA or other bigger cities. They can come here now and work and live for cheaper. And that's pushing the prices up and it's causing, a, you know, an even further drop in our, in our Lack supply. Of housing. And, you know, yeah. more demand is happening. And You know, what's funny is everybody sees the market's crazy. So more and more people want to get into this business. Yeah. But really, this is one of the hardest times for a new agent to get in this business so. because there's not a lot of houses to sell. And unfortunately, you need houses to sell houses. So <laughs> everybody thinks it's this time to get into the business, but it's actually historically one of the hardest times as a new agent. And we were talking about you and your wife going to Croatia um, yeah, one of the things before you get into that. Yeah, no, quickly, no, no, no. I, I have I, there's I actually have a story here. But I was just gonna say that one of the things that for the podcast for those of you listening, like we 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 had a really tough time this morning, not just chatting about all these things before we got on the podcast. Yeah, like, yeah, we yeah, were yeah. Like, wait a minute, hang on. Let's why don't we stop and yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, yeah, these yeah. things on the podcast? Because yeah, we we, we just know, like to chat. Yeah, we just like to chat. So so I know we had talked about you and your wife going to Croatia, but my wife and I went to Dubrovnik. And when we were there, we stayed in the new town and we had to travel on a bus to the old town. And I had to get on this bus and we laugh about it today because, and I, I there's a story here going back to the real yep. estate. When we got on this bus, I've never seen anything like it. We sat on it, it's a normal city bus and we're driving along and all of a sudden like school's out or something. We pull up to this bus stop and like 20 people pile on. And we're like, okay, that's a little crazy. This bus is like, like the right. most packed I've ever seen. So we're driving and then there's this other corner and they go to stop. And I was like, no, like no way. They're not going to let more people on this bus. 20 more people come in to the point where people are like holding the bars and like pulling themselves up on chairs. <laughs> and so we keep going. And then there's like, you know, a feeble old woman in with a walker. And we're like, okay, well, she, she's not going to fit on the bus with her walker. And people just start like sardining back to get her on the bus and i think we got like two or three more stops where we were like that's it like nobody could possibly fit like if this was ontario there would be serious health bylaw like there would be some issues and fights yeah like people would be fighting and more people were cramming onto this bus and 
I literally think of this bus as real estate agents getting into this market. <laughs> um, <laughs> I still to this day. So I'm like, no, there couldn't possibly be more agents. Like, and then the bus opens up and everybody's like squeezing in. They're like, yeah, I'm in the real estate market now too. And we're like, okay. And so we get to the next stop and it's like, okay, that's it. There can't be any more. And there's like 30 more people. They're like, hey, we're going to get on. And everybody on the bus seemed okay with it. Like it was normal. They're all just like climbing on top of each other. Like, come on in, buddy. Like we got this. <laughs> and I think about this bus as literally like a metaphor for agents this, coming into the shit business. show that it is. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> analogy for sure. Um, you know, I, what do we have in Windsor Essex County now? Like over a thousand agents? Is that um, is that I, fair to say? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we're it's like twelve hundred like or thirteen hundred. I think when I started, we had seven hundred. Yeah, and that was only nine years yeah, ago. And we haven't. We definitely haven't doubled in population in in Windsor Essex County in that time, right? So No, I don't I think they're projecting five million new residents in southwestern Ontario in the next twenty, thirty years, and Windsor is expected to go up thirty percent. So even in that huge growth, we're only gonna see thirty yeah, percent. Yeah. But everywhere else but everything else is being bought up. Like a lot of investors, I mean investors are gonna buy up even if they don't live here. So mm-hmm. just because our population isn't growing doesn't mean more people aren't buying here, right? No, that's true. That's actually really true. And I think, um, you know, I don't know any statistics or details on this, but I know there's been talk of that, like a like a high-speed rail transfer yeah. uh, between here and Toronto. It's been shut down a few future. times, but then it comes back and then it shuts down. If that ever happens, you know, that's that's a direct connect to to the, the major center and, and uh, we become more of a suburb of... Of Toronto. Toronto. And, I and, know people, and, lots of people who drive two hours to work in Toronto right, already. Right. If you have to get on a train for an hour and a half and two you're hours. already downtown Toronto. Exactly. Then you're actually ahead of schedule yeah. and you can live as far as Windsor. And then I think there's high speed rail talks of Detroit to Chicago. So that would put us also as a suburb of Chicago. Right. Like, it, yeah. We're when, talking years from now. Like when 20, you connect, 30 plus years. When you years, connect but. things like, like yeah, it's gonna it's not going to happen for a long, long time. But those are the future... Um, infrastructure infrastructure moves that that i think we are going to have to expect that will happen and uh, i you know i lived in toronto for like seven years before i moved here and uh it's funny because people don't realize that windsor has the things that it has and i think that's another surprising thing for a lot of people residents of longtime residents of windsor don't realize what the appeal is to other people, but like having lived in Toronto and had all those amenities and, you know, being able to go to a ball game whenever you want, being able to shop at a big mall, being able to go to a concert, um, being able to, you know, go out to eat at a you know fun place or like every night of the week, if you want to, you don't realize in Windsor, you have a lot of that amenity because of Detroit. I think people in Windsor don't even realize. Right. And that's, that's a, an underutilized thing like if you yeah. want to go to a ball game hop on the tunnel bus and go to comerica and and take in a ball game it's literally the same distance and time as it took me to get from my condo in toronto to like the the rogers center for a blue jays game yeah and it's a beautiful city i mean i'm looking yeah. here it says at the present um you have to take three trips between detroit and chicago in a day it takes five and a half hours one way um the proposed high-speed rail uh, travels 110 miles per hour and would shorten the trip by almost two and a half hours. Yeah, so, so there's a three-hour trip. Then. There's a three-hour. You could get 
arguably from Detroit to Chicago in three hours. I mean, three hours is nothing. No, it's, and especially think about it this way, too. If you are living in a big center and you have to drive to work, and some people that live in big cities like, you know, New York City and Chicago and all that, they some people do drive two hours each way to get into work. And um, you're driving. You have to focus on driving. Imagine getting on a train and being able to do work and connect, on, you know, with the Internet and and do actual work for those two or three hours each way you know now not only are you able to commute into that city if you've got to go in there for some meetings or or something for the day but you're able to do work the entire time you're traveling that makes all the difference as opposed to you sitting in your car behind the wheel right just trying to get there unless you have some tesla that can do it (laughs) yeah that'll happen soon too i think while we're talking i'm just trying to pull up um the plans for the high-speed rail from Toronto to Windsor and the proposals that were put in uh, goes 250 kilometers an hour. So, I mean, 250 kilometers an hour is about an hour and a half train ride from Windsor to Toronto. I would say most people commuting to work in Toronto are doing an hour and a half. Right. Easy. 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 Easily. Even if they're going just from Toronto to Toronto. I can tell you that from personal experience, right? And from knowing a lot of people that worked in and around the GTA like that like people that's a at least an hour like an hour is an extremely common one-way journey to get somewhere now I know the original yeah. proposal was London to Toronto to start Windsor was kind of like a side idea yeah um, I because I I think London was their biggest uh, their biggest target to go London Kitchener Waterloo to Toronto that's where it'll start um, but if if it if they did do that, obviously, and it, and it works out and it, it makes sense. I mean, if really, if you look at all of southwestern Ontario, there's a really interesting um, video I just watched about how southwestern Ontario um, it outlines the line of where the states are and how much of the population of Canada is in this area. I mean, it only makes sense to allow us to be basically one entity of ourselves in, as far as being able, being able to move from Windsor to London to Kitchener to Waterloo to Toronto and almost treat it as one big entity of a city mm-hmm. um, because that is what it's evolving and becoming. I mean, absolutely. even even young by car, you, three and a half, four hours is not a is not a huge commute. And you can pass a lot of Canada's population in that four hour drive. That's true. And you start putting trains like that in there. I mean, that's game over. All, I mean, it's game over for Windsor being a small city as well, though. Yeah. And that's <laughs> what I think a lot of people maybe need to start coming to the understanding of like Windsor was was behind a lot of the rest of the country uh, in terms of growth and and seeing that you know I mean everyone focuses on price increases but just population growth and opportunity growth and all of the other things that come along with that um, that that do tend to push the prices of cost of living higher and Windsor's um, you know, housing market was really historically behind everywhere else. Um, so we were one track minded. It's all autom- yeah. it was all automotive, and I think the two thousand eight nine housing crash really showed our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Detroit went bankrupt. Windsor took a hard hit, and I think it kind of woke us up to the fact that we really need to diversify. You can't have all your eggs in one basket, and. I think we're starting to understand that and get there. I think we still have a long road to go. 
Um, but I think the Windsor we know now and once knew and the Windsor we're about to see in the next 20 years are going to be very, very different from each other. they will. Yeah. yeah. In a good way. This I mean, happens, this some... happens in other places too. I mean, I'm, I was born and raised in Saskatchewan, in Regina, and mm-hmm. the, same, the same thing happened there. Even though, like, that's a landlocked, really far from anything else city, you know, the, it was historically underpriced but, for a lot of years. But look at that. It's landlocked and away from everybody and still grew. Right. We're not. We're, we're in a... Honestly, I arguably think our location is better than the GTAs it, as far as the location. extremely, extremely accessible to a multitude of things. Like, think about... Like you said, Chicago's, what, five hours away, four and a half, five hours away. You know, Cincinnati's only five and a half hours away. Pittsburgh's five hours away. Cleveland's two Kentucky's hours away. Kentucky's five hours away. Right. Like, like you, so you've got this gateway to, once the pandemic is, mm-hmm. you know, calmed down a little bit more and the borders are, are more free-flowing. But, um, and then, yeah, Toronto's only three and a half hours in, in away. In a one-day drive, you can... Green Bay, yep. you can go to yep. New York, you can go to Washington, you can New Jersey, it's like right. you can get to all these places and in then one in day. The, in the more compact area that we have and the amenities that we have around here, there's wine country, there's, you know, Lake Huron's only, you know, a couple hours away and we've got St. Clair we're right on the shores of, we're on the shores of Erie. Detroit like, River, we, we have a lot. Yeah, there's yeah. so much Beautiful skyline that people just, I think, really take for granted. Um in living here their whole lives and maybe not understanding that a lot of people don't have that sort of proximity to any of those things right it's very unique and then our and then the weather i mean mm-hmm. like we're below that snow belt and and we you know really have a temperate climate here as well so if people took out an unbiased opinion and actually gave Windsor a chance and came down to really analyze what we have here and really and, and you took them for a day to your favorite spots in detroit and all this i think it's a super underestimated city that mm-hmm. people are starting to see um but i also find it's it's very very unique to how it's set up um and what it has around them but i don't think most people know that even people i meet that are in the gta area i'm like have you ever been to windsor oh once when i was passing through the border like right. they, they don't know what the city is. And I'm not saying the city's perfect by any means. We have a lot of things that we need to work on and yep. need to improve. But I think what we have the potential for is insane. And the amount of land we have potential for, um, for growth is is huge. I mean, we, we haven't even scratched the surface. Windsor's still a moderately sized city. It's not Yeah, what, large. like 250,000-ish? For the city, yeah. For, but, for but we are itself, expanding then... to come see LaSalle, Amherstburg. They are all starting to connect Lakeshore. Um, yeah, so you got probably another like 100,000 in, in all of that. I, I don't know the exact population. I think Windsor-Essex County is about 400,000 people or so. Um, population. Um, well, that's so not, that's Windsor that's itself. Right. Um, how many people live in Windsor-Essex? Yeah, so close to 400,000. And that, who knows when when that actually was yeah that uh, seems that still seems a little low but 388 785 um i wouldn't be surprised if we're pushing half a million in the next decade yeah right and that's gonna change a lot of things around here too so i think the days of i think the days of of you know graduating high school and getting out and getting a a, you know an easy quick full-time job and being able to afford a home are gone 
And I think that's the truth, unfortunately, for a lot of cities, bigger, like more moderate to bigger sized cities in the country, because it just, it's just not attainable. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you, you've got to get more of an education to get a better job to be able to you know afford to live in some of these places and if you want to own a home a lot of the time it's it's getting out and and getting further away from from the opportunities and right mm -hmm. and, well and, and i mean buying something look at the amount cheaper. of job options you have in detroit um education op options too i mean it's not just the university of windsor we have here not every city has their university so not only do right. we have the university of windsor we have wayne state university mm -hmm. um there's lots of jobs over the border um, whether it's medical, engineering, um, architectural. I know lots of people that work over the border on a daily, and their drive home is not much different than mine. And I work here in Windsor. Right. I mean, it's that close. Yeah. I know people that work, you know, a decent distance into Detroit, and they're still only 30 minutes in. I mean, that's significantly less than what most people's commutes are in most major cities in Ontario. Yeah. Um, what do you think for 2022? What do you think? Do you think... <laughs> <laughs> that's the million dollar question on everybody's mind right now i think um i say I wish, it goes up i wish we had a crystal ball i i still think listen and i'll say this again and again and again and again i mean if you look at the um the the, the chart of real estate growth from like the 60s till now there's a very distinct line that that follows and it's an it's a it's an upward curve the you know the entire way if you zoom in on any of those little areas you're going to see little dips and valleys and things where the market shifted a little bit or it changed or it stabilized or it dropped a bit you know we can talk about the 80s when the interest rates were through the roof like credit card interest rates on homes you know we can talk about 2001 when you know the the world trade centers happened and and um, worldwide you know confidence was shocked uh, and then you can talk about 2008 Nine, yeah. 2009 when but if you take any of those things in a in a vacuum it looks bad but if you look at it over the course of where real estate is going it's an upward trend the entire way mm -hmm. right and that the downward trends seem to be short-lived now yeah. obviously we've never been well, personally we haven't been through a worldwide pandemic we so. haven't been through yeah and with interest rates this low and People have more debt than they ever have. So we don't know how this is going to pan out, obviously. But I I know that if it were to change, I don't think it would be anything drastic. And if it was, I don't think it would last long because everyone has the same end goal. Every, nobody wants to see the world's economy stay down for at all. I no. mean, you know, if it's going to go down, you may want to, you know, you, you could argue investors like to see when it goes down because it gives opportunity to buy and invest. But I think in the long scale of things, everybody wants to see growth. So yeah. when it comes down, Bank of Canada and places in, in the government are going to do things that are going to help even lower interest rates more to allow people to, you know, pay, uh, pay their bills and, and, and afford homes. But I don't think this is going to be something that would be long lived. Even in 2008 and nine, one of the historic, historically one of the worst recessions we've seen and it only took two years to be back to where we were from 2008 to 2010 it only took two years to get back to even of where we were and people say well what if i buy a house and the market crashes just don't sell it right don't sell the home and they say well what if i lose my job then move back with mom and dad and rent out your home 
the people who people lose still need a, places to live people need right? places to live you're not investing in a company your company's not going out of business your home is still there it's on land land is valuable it's not going anywhere go and live with mom and dad if you can't afford the bills rent out the home until you weather through the storm then sell your home the people who lose are the people who panic Right. There's always going to be people who need a place to rent. You may not be able to rent it a hundred percent and make, you know, uh, $200, $300 net equity or net net profits. You might have to take a loss. You might have to pay a hundred or 200 bucks, but I would rather pay a hundred or $200 a month to keep, to keep home. my home until it recovers than yeah. to let money go out the window. So basically you're in way more control with your home than you are. If you go and invest in a company you have no control of that company. If that company goes down or that company's struggling, you're at the mercy of the CEOs and the executives at that company. If you buy your own home, you're in control of your home. You're in control of your fate. You at least can rent it out or take care of it in some way, make some sort of revenue generating profit until you recover and get out of that, right. out of that situation. So people always ask, what do I do if the market crashes? my answer is just don't panic don't panic and right. if the market, i i just don't see it i i think this market is going to continue to grow i think we're still very low if we if we do see a recession i don't think it's going to be a windsor problem i think it's going to be yeah a everywhere problem yeah i think i think you're going to see more modest growth going into the next while oh yeah, like yeah you're yeah. not going to see this i mean i hope so 30 to 40 percent year over year um, price increase like we just saw in the last year and or two it was like when 2021 hit this mm -hmm. year that like a huge like master switch was flipped and everyone was just like well the prices need to be 35 percent higher now you know um it, it it just that's what it felt like to a lot of people obviously there was a lot of forces driving that um and you know consumer confidence has really been shaken because of that but I think we're going to see a bit more of a simmering, but we're not going to see this crash that people constantly want to talk about. And people have been talking about a crash in the Windsor area mm -hmm. for like the last like six, seven years, just saying, well, wait, 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 see what's going to happen. It's going to, it's going to crash. It's going to crash. And think about if you were going to buy a home five years ago and you said, well, I'm just going to wait for the crash. And then, you know, prices that year went up 12%. Mm -hmm. And then the prices the next year went up 13%. And then the prices the year after that went up 15%. And then the prices the year after that went up 20%. And then in this last year, the prices went up like 35 to 40%. Uh, and I'm just kind of fudging numbers here. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's more, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but, but now look back, like if you would have bought five years ago, because mm -hmm. now I can promise you this, if there is a correction in the future that's going to happen, you are never, ever, ever going to see it drop. To so the five year, five years. No, even or if, even three year or two year or one year. Even, even if it goes down twenty percent, which would be a which would, huge, which would be astronomical. You would still be ahead of last astronomical. year. Astronomical. You'd still be ahead of last year. Like to put it into perspective for people, I, I do know these numbers a little bit. In two thousand eight, I think the average sale price in Windsor. Essex County was somewhere around the hundred and sixty to hundred and seventy thousand dollars. We're five forty two, right? Right. Now. When when two thousand eight two thousand nine happened, that that average sale price in the county dropped by only ten 
to $15,000 over that time. So the next year, the average sale price was like in the 150s, 160s. And then within the next year, it was back up to the 160s to 170s. And then the year after that, it was in the 180s. So that was the, the big crash that mm -hmm. everybody remembers. And, you know, some sectors were hit harder than others. But as a whole, mm -hmm. that, that, I mean, what, what, what is that? That dropped, what, 5 to 10%? Maybe, right. maybe a little bit more than that? Right. You're not going to see so it even if you saw, Even if that. you saw a 20% drop, right. you're still ahead of last year. If you bought a home last year, you're still going to be ahead. Right. And eventually, the, these people that are spewing the, the fear-mongering of a crash, they're eventually going to be right. Eventually, there's going to be some sort of correction or crash. Right. And then they're going to say, see, I told you. But then I'd say to them, okay, are you ready to buy a home if the market has now dropped? And then they would say, oh, well, no, the market just crashed. Yeah. I'm not going to buy the house right. if the market crashed. So right. Those are, those are the people that just like to talk about you know, neg in the negative sense, yeah, the, the market. Yeah, all the so it, they're going to say when the market's good, the market's going to crash. And when the market crashes, they're going to say, well, I'm not buying anything because the market crashed. It's never going to be the right time for them. Right. right. So I'm not saying, you know, that every time it, it, I, it, historically, there's no bad time to buy a home as long as you understand that things can go down. It's the same as buying a stock. Right. Things go up, things go down, things can change. If you're but a short-term investor. If you're a short-term investor. But right. it, don't look at, thing, at things in the short term. When you're investing into something, look in the long term. Yeah. And historically, you're going to be okay. And if Southwestern Ontario continues to grow the way it's expected to grow, in this, many, in this 5 million that they're saying immigrants and people are going to be moving here yeah. in the next 20 years, yeah. it doesn't make sense to me that house prices would go down. If you're going to pour 5 million people into one small area... Of Ontario with only so much land available and land is already unavailable in the GTA area it only is going up as far as as far as housing is concerned then they're going to start to migrate to other cities and you know if Windsor goes up 30% house prices almost have to go up and right now we already are at a short supply go and increase our population by another 30% the average Ontario home is 594,000 so we're still below the provincial average. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, Canada's probably going to be... Probably 675-ish, maybe. The Canadian house average oh, okay. right now it's is 716. So Canadian average 716. The Ontario average is 594. And the Windsor average is 540. So we are not only below the provincial average, but we're well below the Canadian average. Um, making our city still very affordable, but to us Windsorites, it seems unfathomable. Well, it's because it happened so fast. Because it happened so right? fast, and we're from a city that was one-track-minded, yeah. automotive-driven, nothing yeah. wrong with that, but we're just not used to this. Right. And we're playing a big game of catch-up, and I think this hasn't even scratched the surface. I think this, this very rapid growth will come to simmer it, it will but i yeah. i still think we're in the eye of the storm when it comes to the sure. long-term potential we, and city. we don't know like we can only make speculations based on on everything that we've been seeing and you know talking to the banks that we talk to and listening to you know the bank of canada's forecasts and and where the interest rates are going to go and all there's so many factors that will 
play into what happens in the in the near future here. But I think you and I can both agree with each other on the fact that growth is still going to continue to happen here. You're not going to go from like a you know double digit percentage growths year over year over year to all of a sudden double digit crash drop without something massive happening that we can't foresee right like you you do you agree yeah i think there needs to be there would need to be some external external force yeah. literally crashing down on us that we did not see coming which mm -hmm. i think a lot of us thought was the pandemic, the pandemic. yeah um, which still could be which it's still true could be, there could be, a, could be a little bit of a delayed reaction with right there's with the fallout there could this. there could be a lot more debt and um yeah things happening in the background that we don't know um, a lot of these low interest rates could cause people to over leverage it depends on what the bank of canada does with interest, interest rates go rates. and increase but i would hope that they're smart enough not to to increase too quickly yeah. um there are a lot of people that over leverage that you know we may not have an, a full idea of how this will play out so it'll be interesting to see i mean if you historically look back to the early 1900s we had um a pandemic that turned into the roaring 20s we happened to be right. in the 20s again right. which then followed by the great depression so well, they say they do say yeah, right history repeats they, itself they do well they do say <laughs> that one of these like you know severe pandemics happens once every you know right. 100 years roughly and and there have been pandemics since you know 1918 um, and the Spanish flu. There have been others that people don't think about. There was one. There was one uh, flu pandemic that happened uh, right through Woodstock in the '60s. Um, it was a massive flu pandemic that uh, a lot of people don't even remember because it just wasn't handled or treated the same way as it was here. But uh, and we won't get too much into that. I don't want to. I don't want to get into the. Into political the political yeah. stuff and yeah. the and the politics and you know too much into the opinions of of whether it's handled right or handled wrong but um you know the reality is that, that it's happening and they say it happens about once every hundred years and who knows i mean it, it, it throws a monkey wrench into what this is why i'm interested to have more people come in yeah like and guests i'd like to hear other opinions i want to hear the opinion of somebody who's seeing it from different lenses yeah like true. somebody who's seen numbers debts um mortgages you know some people some of these mortgage reps obviously they can't disclose confidential information but they're seeing defaults and they're and they're like seeing that. the income that people have in the homes that they're buying yeah and how they're getting co-signers from family members and things to help make it go ahead because these people want to get into the market and they want to be competitive but i do worry that there are certain people that are definitely getting in over their heads yeah. um and i think everybody has that worry i mean you can't just go and have people living in houses for 150,000 and all of a sudden new home buyers are buying houses for 350 to 500 without having a little bit of concern are they going to be able to afford this cuz right. not only are these bills going to be significantly more than what they would have been years prior but their income level um, as well as their seniority in their jobs can't be 100% secure nothing's 100% certain in life right. i think is the is the reality Right. So, I mean, people are making informed decisions just based on on what they know and what they can control. And I think you just everyone has to realize that mm -hmm. there's always going to be the potential for, for the next big thing to come around the corner to shake things up. And that's what happened with this. And, 
there's a lot of good that came from this pandemic too. You know, if you want to try to spin it a little bit in a, in a positive way, people, I mean, I know for me personally, um, like exercise has become a big thing for me through this. Yeah, you look like you look like garbage. I, thanks, man. <laughs> I'm like the most out of shape I've ever been. Uh, see, that's that's <laughs> yeah. It, it has gone two different ways for people because it depends on who you are. Um, gym people really had a big struggle. People who mm. go to the like the good life gyms and the other like you know fitness centers that all shut down, mm-hmm. especially in Ontario, we had a really strict lockdown here, so everything was shutting down. And if you were a gym goer, if you were somebody who needed the gym to to motivate you to be in shape and that got taken away from you that really pushed those people in a completely opposite mine was, direction mine was my sports right like right no sports. A, exactly all You're my cardio is out the window guy. and yeah i'm lazy so. i don't like the gym yeah. like i don't like going to a facility just personally that's just a personal thing for me i have a, a, a small home gym in my basement with you know big adjustable dumbbells and a bench and a, like a a cardio machine mm-hmm. and I've always liked doing that stuff on my own and mm-hmm. then when you took when when this pandemic took traveling away from me and it took you know a lot of things outside of my home away from me it was really easy for me to keep a consistent schedule of exercise and and working out because I was always there mm-hmm. and I didn't have an excuse to myself of why I couldn't do it. If, if I went on a big two week or three week vacation with my wife, uh, that took me out of my routine all the time, all the time. And then I'd come back and I'd be like, well, See, I need like I'm a ball. I need, I need like a ball or a puck to chase with like a beer at the yeah, end. Everybody's <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. And I, and I miss those organized sports and things too. We but, got golf, but yeah, but I wouldn't yeah, we yeah. had golf. Golf. Um, Golf's not the most walking at every time, but I don't know. I I I took that as a positive for me was was getting out there, um, not out there, getting in there into that home gym and creating a really strong routine for myself every single day because that's important. Exercise has always been important for me to maintain a state of like good mental health and stuff. Um, So so that was a positive for me, and I think a lot of people um, also to talk about another positive is they, they connected with their families um, more on like a daily or semi-daily basis through things like zoom and FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I did. I think it's know? made, I think it's made the, the workplace as well as like connecting with people outside uh, of your city. Um, it's made things a lot better in that sense. I think it's also allowed uh the older generation that weren't as tech savvy, it almost twisted their arm and forced them to learn to be a little True. tech savvy. Um, so now we're able to do not only these meetings, but with clients, but also with our family. And it wasn't something we did before. I, I know Skype existed and FaceTimes existed, yeah. but it wasn't like a widely used thing. You were more likely to pick up the phone and have a phone call and just yeah. chat with mom or dad. But now Zoom allows you not only to connect with them face to face, but it, there's games and things that are involved. Right. And, um, I think it's that this is one of the positive things that have come out of this pandemic I, for businesses as well. You don't have to fly around city to city doing in, these meetings when you can just do them through Zoom. And this um, technology all existed really before, but it was like yeah. it took this paradigm shift yeah. to happen for people to be like, oh, yeah, I guess we can have this meeting 
virtually and still all be there. And I mean, I know we're all really tired of Zoom meetings and, you know, you know, Zoom this and Zoom that and, and FaceTime and Microsoft Teams and all this other stuff that we're doing. But man, has it ever really made it a lot easier for people to connect, yeah. you know? I'm thinking like the clients that come to our office at seven o'clock at night. Right. Because they have to get home from work, feed the kids, come to the office at seven. Somebody's got to watch the kids yeah. while they come. Or they come with, with baby in tow. Yeah. And baby's I mean, how much easier is it? They can get home, clean up, have dinner, put the kids to bed, open their laptop, have their meeting with their realtor. They don't have to get in the car. They don't have to find a babysitter. Right. There are things here that have made life a hell of a lot easier. And like you said, it always existed, but it wasn't accepted practice. No, it wasn't. The, the professional thing would be to meet in person. I still like meeting in person, but there's certain applications where it's just needed. It's It makes more sense when we have out-of-town investors or clients that we work with. We don't have to pick up the phone and just have a call. We can actually talk to them face-to-face, -face, share screens, show them comparable, show them things about the home. I think there's a lot of positives that have come out of this pandemic. Um, not just that, but um, other other things as well. It's been it's been cool. Well, that was a that was a big push that we did with the team with the wireless campaign that we put yeah. together and sort of pivoted towards that during this pandemic. And you know, being able to to sign documents you know digitally and get on meetings and it's stuff um, we always had it, it, true but we just had to advertise the show that hey we have these things available yes you can buy a home almost virtually at this point with virtual tours i guides video yeah, yeah. Uh, zoom calls electronic signatures everything can be almost done from just sitting at home even the lawyers laptop. were were doing things a little chaotic yeah a little <laughs> bit more chaotic but that was always the sticking point with with um, lawyers and banks with digital signatures they didn't really do that stuff they always met in person and and rightly so but you know i think legally now it's... i think they still have to sign on paper but they just have to wit they can witness it through the zoom right, app right right so right. it'd be like hey can you print out 300 pages <laughs> yeah yeah can you buy a whole cartridge of ink for this one document i'm going to send you and then i'm going to watch you sign 300 pages of paper. oh that sounds um, horrible I'm i think I that's like i think that's kind of how it was so yeah. that's what i mean it was a little chaotic because it was like oh this is nice i can sign from home until you get this like email to print out like 40 50 pages or whatever it was um this was good yeah i think this I, was good i, I think i hope yeah. at least i hope i hope that um people will find some value in this mm -hmm. that people will um you know and like you said we can take snippets of these podcasts and 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 put them uh, into more bite-sized chunks that people can digest more easily yeah. um, if we're talking about a certain topic or something. But I also love the fact that people are going to be able to get to know us a little bit more um, aside from just the face you see on a sign or, you know, mm -hmm. um, get to know some of our guests a little bit more intimately when we when we have guests on and, and understand that there are people behind all of this um, that are just regular people like you and that have lives and that um, want to talk about stuff that's important to them. And I, I hope there's some value in this for, for, for people listening because um, I find it valuable even just to be able to sit here and chat with you for an hour. Uh, we don't, we don't get the opportunity to do this a lot. So this is, this is a bit of a, also it's going to be a bit of an appreciation to our clients. Like I want our clients to know 
I'm doing this also so they can they know how important they are and, and how important the community is to us and we don't get to vocally speak out a lot of a lot of this is just what people see on social media and very short formed things and you know us allowing us to talk um, I think and I hope would show the community and our clients that yeah we really do we really do care and um, I'm looking forward to it I think it's gonna be fun um, whether people watch it or not I'm having a good time yeah and exactly. um, yeah, we'll maybe put a little Spotify YouTube page together and we'll we'll see how it goes from there and I'm sure it will evolve and develop as we go. But yeah. and 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 you listeners let us know um, you know, things that we could even do better and things that you, maybe you want to hear. Yeah, things that you want to hear about, opinions that you have on these topics and things. Um, getting a dialogue going is going to be a big thing with this mm-hmm. too. I think that's important for us to, uh, to, to get better at, at doing this and, and touch on things that you might want to listen to as well. I want to hear the trolls. I want to hear, I want the, <laughs> yeah. I, want, I want the trolls oh, to be like, be Oh, there. shut up, Steve. This market's coming yeah. down. Oh, it's coming right. down. You're right. They're going to bring be it. There. Bring it's the trolls, happen. bring the trolls. Yeah, it's going to happen. It, it's, it's Joe, incredible. I hate your polo. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. You don't have to like my polo. I want to hear it. Bring it on. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So let's, let's do this again next week. I, I love it. I love it. Maybe we'll bring somebody on. I guess we'll see and we'll go from there. Sounds good. All right. Peace out. Thank you.